0: I want to open this morning uh, with a little bit of a a recounting of something that happened to me uh, a long time ago now. Uh, In 1990, I had an opportunity to travel to India uh, with a friend of mine called Kit. And uh, the idea was that we would travel around India uh, on Indrail passes. Uh, You can buy a pass to the very extensive railway system in India. Uh, And what we did was we went to the uh, Indian Embassy in Hoban in London uh, and we queued up and uh, that was a whole drama all in itself Uh, and I'll have to tell you about all of what happened on that particular occasion in my very long sermon series all on patience. Uh, I'm telling you now that really really exercised our patience. It's a very tortuous process. However we got our visas and then around about mid-April 1990 when I was 22 um, uh, we flew out to Bombay as it was then known. It's now called Mumbai, uh, but it was Bombay then. And uh, we flew out there, and it was kind of like an overnight flight. And uh, we landed at half past seven in the morning. And uh, as we came out of the airport uh, airport at that time, uh, well, we landed about 5 a.m., but they cleared us through. 7.30 a.m., the front doors to the airport opened, and I stepped out out of the air conditioning, and it was boiling hot at half past seven in the morning. And to be honest, my heart sank. I thought, oh no, what have I done here? This place is really hot. And so I caught the train uh, from near the airport into the center of Bombay. And uh, one of the first things I noticed was that none of the trains have any any doors. I don't know if they do now, but they didn't then, uh, because it's just too hot. Well, I have doors because they make you hotter. So they just didn't have any doors, and we're whisking along through these suburbs at forty miles an hour. No doors. Um, so we get into the centre of Bombay, and we find our hotel, and it's down this side street, and it's th- you know three stories up, and uh, our balcony in our in our hotel slopes slightly downwards off the edge of the building. You're like that really freaked me out. I didn't go out on the balcony after that. I was like this slope. I'm not. No, I'm not doing that. So. And then we did some traveling, so we stayed in Bombay for about a week. I have to say it took me about five days to get used to India. It's so hot and the smells and the sounds and the, uh, the, you know, the, uh, the, the crowds are massive and it, it's an experience that doesn't switch off. You, know, you go back to your hotel room at night and you can still hear it throbbing outside the window. It just never stops. Um, so it took me a while to get used to all of that. Then we traveled south, and we went to the beaches in Goa, and that was really beautiful. Then we went on further south to a state in India called Kerala, and we took our time, and we went to all these different places. Uh, And we'd gone for the two months. And about a month in, uh, my friend Kit said, listen, we're going to need to get up to the north of India to go and see all of the different sites that I want to see there. So we're going to have to do a massive train journey from uh, Madras, as it was known then, now called Chennai, Um, ...we're going to need to do a journey from uh, Madras all the way up to Calcutta. Now, this journey, it turned out, we went through this journey... ...and it, it, it still is the longest land journey by time and distance that I've ever taken. It took a whopping 67 hours to complete... It was really, really long. And we took these uh, second-class, three-tier sleeper trains through India. And because there was flooding on the east coast, we had to go through the center of India. And by this time, it was mid-May, and it was boiling hot in the center of India. I mean, so, so hot. We're talking 40-plus degrees, uh, traveling through uh, you know this kind of quite parched cent- uh, cent- central area of India. Very, very hot. However, there were some good things about the journey. One was we played loads of games of cards with about the 30 people in our little compartment. And that was great fun, loads and loads of card games. Lots and lots of hearty banter on the journey, uh, which made it all so much more bearable. Um, uh, But one of the things that that I noticed about our train journeys was that they were put, this was 1990, a lot of them were pulled by steam engines. India may still, I don't know, but they certainly were back then using a lot of steam trains to pull pull their carriages on their trains. And so what would happen is we would would be setting off and we'd get to a station, and there would be lots of kind of bustle and movement and people getting on and off and people selling tea and lots of kind of, you know, kind of moving around as you would in any station. But what would happen at the front of the train is that the engineers at that station would bring a big funnel round and they'd pour loads of coal into the tender at the back of the, the train. But on the other side, the driver and his mates would jump out, and they would pull a big uh, sort of uh, water pipe, I guess it was, from a big water container or a water tower on the other side, and they'd pull that round, and they would pour water into the boiler area of the engine, So, because you need coal and water to run a steam engine. Um, and they would do that pretty regularly through this journey. Now, what was particularly nice about this was that the crowd of us who would go up and watch this operation, um, what would happen is, as they finished filling uh, the the boiler with all this water, uh, this cold water from the the water tank, the, the, the engine driver, in our particular journey, I don't know if he always did this for everybody, but because it was so hot, he didn't switch the water supply off, he swung the pipe round, and he poured it over 30, 40 of us waiting on the adjacent track. So basically, you can imagine this scene. We're all crowded around, waiting for this thing to happen. The boiler's is being filled up. The water gets near to the top. Uh, and then he swings the pipe round, and there's a huge amount of shrieking and excitement uh, and running about and going, Ooh, like this, in this cold water that's coming straight down onto this group of people that want to, to get cooled off. You know, it's just a really nice thing. When it's 40 degrees and you've been boiling hot and you're sweating and, and it's, uh, you know, there's, no, there's no breeze there, you are wanting to be refreshed. And so what happened was this happened several times through this mega-long journey. Uh, I think it probably happened five or six times, and we would, we would jump out every station hoping that it was time for the, for, the, for the water to be put back in the boiler and more coal to go on board because we were hoping that we would get absolutely drenched by the water pipe. And the reason I open with that story uh, is that there is a great spiritual truth involved or lying behind that story, which is that in the journey of life... We need regular replenishment. We need to be regularly filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, We get dry and parched and, uh, you know, we we can get hot, we can get thirsty uh, during our journey of life. And we need to make uh, stopping points along the way of our life regularly to get drenched in the Spirit. To get God's Spirit poured out upon us because we need His presence in our lives. So that's the reason that I've opened uh, with that story. Uh, and I hope that that story sits with you and that you remember. Oh, thank you. Uh, I hope that that story sits with you and you remember. Uh, that that's, uh, a drenching is something that you need regularly on a regular basis. Uh, so we're, as I say, we're in part five of our E222 series this morning. Um, and uh, it's Ephesians 2.22, an incredible verse. Um, in him, you also are being built together into a place for God to live by the Spirit. Say it with me. In Him, him, you also also are being built together together. into a place for God to live by the Spirit. Um, So when we looked at this, when we started this series off, we looked at in Him. And it's just two tiny short words, but they say everything because every time we see in Him or in Christ in the New Testament, and it's well over 100 times it's connected with some pretty deep uh, teaching about the person and the purpose of Jesus uh, coming uh, f- to the world to save us uh, and to connect us with Father God. And we looked at that in the first uh, in the first section, didn't we? You also a very important message to hear. Paul is teaching the uh, the Ephesian church to be inclusive because they've got a faction of Jews and they've got a faction of Gentiles, and he's saying, no, 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 no. You also, you also belong. You also are part of. You also matter. And we, we, we heard that story about uh, gutman didn't we, who pioneered the Paralymp- Paralympic movement. And that lady who has the, uh, the kid with the Down syndrome and how he's become a film star in that, in that wonderful film, uh, Peanut Butter Falcon. You know? So we looked at all of that, didn't we? Um, and so, yeah, in him, you also are being built together. We, we unpack the idea of the, 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 the church builds people as it gathers together, and we looked at that wonderful story of the healing of the paralytic, didn't we, uh, from Mark chapter 2, uh, and I, I don't know about you, but some days I kind of feel like I need the church to carry, carry me in on a stretcher to church, and that I'm strengthened by the presence of other people around me uh, so, so much, and I'm restored by that, and that's what that process is of how we're being built together. Um, in him, you also are being built together into a place for God to live. That was last weekend. We looked at the idea that as you receive Jesus into your life, God suddenly says, ah, that's a place that I can now go and live. That's what happens. When Jesus comes into your life, when you, when you receive Jesus into your life, God says, ah, I now have permission because you've invited my son to come and live on the inside of you. And that something very special happens when there's a collective of that not just you on your own, but lots and lots of people together. That's very special when that happens. And so today, we're in the final part of it where it says, by the Spirit. And so what Paul is saying is all of those points uh, that we've talked about in the series are being brokered and arranged and set up and put in place by the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been doing this all along. Now, it's in Christ, And it allows God to come and live with you, but it's being done by the Spirit. And so you have all three people of God working on this to make this happen, uh, to make us as a body of people here now today, November 2021, a place for God to live. With me so far? Understand the premise. Great stuff. So turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, We're going to look at some sections out of the book of Acts. uh, And we're going to look at the arrival of the Holy Spirit. uh, And we're going to see what the Holy Spirit does. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Acts is an incredible book. It was written by Luke, so he he wrote Luke's Gospel and then he went on to write Acts as well. And it's called Acts because it describes actions or acts taken by the apostles in response to what happened with Jesus, his death and resurrection, but also in response to what is done by the Holy Spirit. So technically, really, Acts should be called Acts of the... It often says in your Bibles, and particularly in more old-fashioned Bibles, it will say Acts of the Apostles, but really it needs to say Acts of the Apostles in partnership with the Holy Spirit, because Acts is as much a story about the work of the Holy Spirit as it is the work of those people who have been filled with the Spirit and want to go and tell uh, the world about Jesus and to plant churches. Uh, Acts is a, a truly incredible uh, book. Uh, there's wonderful, wonderful things that happen th- in the book of Acts. Uh, we have uh, incredible miracles, uh, you know, daring escapes, uh, stunning kind of interactions with God. Um, you, you know, there's just amazing things that go on in the book of Acts. Um, you know, sometimes I think Acts is a book full of sermons and uproar. You know, There's sermons that, as for as many people who are saved and set free in the book of Acts, through the sermons in the book of Acts, there are as many riots and uproars as well. And, and you know, if you just take three hours one day and one, you know, one Saturday morning and decide to read through the book of Acts, you will be struck by sermon, response, sermon, riot, sermon, earthquake, sermon, people set free, sermon. And it seems to be a series of sermons that provoke incredible uh, responses uh, in, in people uh, whenever they hear the word of God. Uh, something that really interests me and kind of amuses me too is that the first three people um, who become followers in the book of Acts if you look carefully at the first three individuals they could not be more diverse if you tried to find them so number one was a sorcerer Simon the sorcerer number two was a hitman called Saul and number three was a eunuch from Ethiopia I mean talk about like a variety of people that's really really varied isn't it Um, And the hit man called Saul was actually literally hell-bent on murdering Christians for their faith. And as as some of you will know, that that ended in an an encounter on a road to a town called Damascus. There was a very bright light, and Paul suddenly realized that he'd met with Jesus. And it turned his life right around. Turned his life completely around. He went on from from being a complete opposed person to a very, very for person. Uh, So much so that he was like traveling around the known world at the time, preaching, converting people to Christ, and planting churches. So Acts is a stunning book. I really, really think it's great. So we're going to uh, jump straight into Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 1. We're just going to pick it up from from the very beginning of Acts. Uh, Read along with me. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote, and that's Luke, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, baptized with water... But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Just jump down a bit with me to Acts 1, verse 8 now. And then Jesus says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then if you just jump one chapter ahead to Acts chapter 2, we're going to look at the first four Uh, verses in Acts chapter 2 as well, and that will be our passages of Scripture for today. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit. Enable them. Holy Spirit, I just pray this morning that people would receive from your word. I pray that this place would be filled with your presence, Holy Spirit. I pray that the Spirit would be, begin to move even now, just touching people's hearts. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for who you are. Amen. I want to give you an illustration of how the Holy Spirit works. Uh, it's an illustration I heard many years ago uh, from Nicky Gumbel, who is the senior pastor at Holy Trinity Brompton Church in London. And they're the church that have brought us the Alpha and a lot of other great things as well. Fantastic church and great ministry. And on the Alpha course, he gives a great explanation of how the Holy Spirit works. Let me, let me explain how it works. So the day that you decide to become a follower of Jesus, what happens is it's like the pilot light in a boiler system has been lit on the inside of you, kind of in your heart You know, like in the old days where a a boiler used to have a little window and you could kind of look through, I don't know if you see that now, modern boilers have covered that up and you can't see the pilot light, but there is a pilot light there and um, in the old days there was a little window and you could check whether the boiler was actually on at all by checking to see if the pilot light was burning. So the day that you received Jesus, the Holy Spirit jumped onto the inside of you, he made you a new creation and he started the boiler of you, spiritually speaking, okay, uh, and that pilot light sits there and you are on and activated and you have the spirit on the inside of you. That's what happens when you become a Christian. Okay? Now, Nicky Gumbel's illustration is that when we get filled with the spirit, that's a slightly different thing. That's not just the, the pilot light on the inside sitting there kind of waiting for something to happen. That's that there's a call being placed on that boiler. Uh, that there's a need for hot water to the taps or that there's a need for hot water in the radiators. And uh, the boiler comes on, and there's that whoosh sound, isn't there, uh, from the boiler. And there's heat and energy through the system. There is power being sent around the house uh, for whatever need that there might be. And so that illustration is a really good illustration of what happens with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and jumps onto the inside of you. The moment you decide to follow Jesus, you have the pilot light there, and, and you are a new creation. And that's the subject of another sermon and another discussion some other time, but... Just if we just accept that that's what's happened spiritually, but when you get filled with the Spirit, it's like the boiler is turned on, and there's a big whoosh sound, and there's power and energy uh, to your life. And we would call that baptism in the Spirit, being baptized in the Spirit. You're with me so far? You understand the concept? Great stuff. Uh, So we're going to talk about, just briefly, three things... Uh, that happen uh, when you are filled up with the Holy Spirit. Three things, okay? Uh, And they all begin with the letter P. The first one is presence. The second one is power. And the third one is purpose. Presence, power, purpose. Those are the three big, I would call those the big three of what happens when you're filled with the Spirit. So let's talk about presence for a minute. Now, each of our baptismal candidates today, uh, you saw them climb up on here. Uh, and then come into this pool here, and then you saw that they were dipped under the water completely, weren't they? Um, You know, we have this kind of thing amongst pastors where we kind of make sure that we're actually dunking people properly under the water. We don't want an ear left unsaved you know, or unbaptized. Sorry, you're still going to be saved. I'm getting that completely wrong. Um, But we don't want any part of you to be unsanctified by the baptism process, okay? So we make sure that you go down in the water. We really do. But we make it quick and we make it kind and we ask you to hold your nose and all the rest of it. My point is, there is no doubt in each of our baptism candidates' minds that they have been through an experience because they got totally immersed they were totally put under the water, weren't they? And then they came out kind of shaking the, shaking the water out of their hair and, and so on. And so as people are laid in, in the waters of baptism and go completely under, Holy Spirit baptism is a completely Im- immersive experience. You know when you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's my thing. I'm not sure everybody in BCC has been filled with the Holy Spirit. And I, I, li- listen, this is not a criticism, this is not... Uh, Looking back on the past and saying a failure in teaching not at all. That is not not what I'm coming from whatsoever I'm simply saying that I think that many of us have come from different streams and traditions and backgrounds and uh, Perhaps we haven't had that opportunity That's much more the truth And I know that there are some people here who definitely have been baptized in the spirit And what we're going to do at the end of our service shortly I'm not going to speak for very long today is we're going to give you an opportunity to be filled with the spirit this morning And to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and our prayer is that you would receive something of the experience of who God is enveloping you spiritually just as the water enveloped our baptism candidates like with water. That's our, that's our heart. And so, you know, to that end, um, I put a call out to our prayer ministry team earlier this week and a lot of them came out. And we have prayed over every single seat in this place that the spirit would be strong and that you'd have an experience and an encounter with the Holy Spirit this morning. So the first one is presence, that when you're baptized in the Spirit, you get a strong sense of God's presence around you, and it's all enveloping, and it's unmistakable. You know that it happened to you, just as you know that you got wet the day you got baptized. So that's the first thing. The second thing to say um, is that uh, you need power. You need power, and when you are filled up with the Holy Spirit and baptized in the Spirit, you receive power from God. There's no two ways about it. Now, you might feel, have different feelings connected with that. Sometimes you might be completely kind of transported away to, it feels like you're in heaven. Sometimes you might be prompted to cry. Some, some people are even prompted to laugh. Some people feel trembly. Some people feel that they get hot. And there's lots of different manifestations of that. But what God is doing, no matter what the feelings are, is he's putting power through you. He's putting power into you. Um, Chloe and I have had the uh, the benefit and the pleasure and also the hard work of uh, taking uh, limitless uh, sorry kids on limitless youth camp and also on weekends and not just in BCC you know different conferences over the years and you know we've been doing that for a decade uh, here and there uh, with young people uh, and what always in, what's kind of fascinating to see is that young people certainly in the last five years they'll go into a session on a camp and they'll get filled up and charged spiritually with the Holy Spirit and when you look outside the venue, there's tables and tables of mobile phones being charged with mains power from the mains. And I've always thought that that's kind of an interesting picture because, you know, you know, you know what it's like when your phone runs out of power, don't you? And you're down to 3%. That is, that is annoying, isn't it? And when you see that little red little symbol on your phone that you're kind of about to, the phone's about to die, you make it a priority to go and get plugged in, don't you? You go and find a socket. In fact, sometimes people even come to me here and say, "Pastor Nick, is there a socket I can use? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, just near the back, go and find something, you know. You need to be plugged in to the power of God in order to function. And the, when you are baptized in the Spirit, you get a massive dose of power on the inside of you from God. It's very important that we do that. And here's, here's, here's the thing that I've observed. So many of us as believers, we wander around on about 3% power from God. And we subsist On that level of power all the time in our lives and we kind of constantly just about managing I'm not sure that God intended for that to be the case I think God intended it to be a bit like my railway journey where there would be regular stops along the way you would get off and you'd be absolutely drenched in the presence of God uh, and that you would have a huge amount of power from him all the time you know actually we should be praying God fill me up with the spirit every day you know maybe even every half day Are you with me? Are you understanding the picture here? Do not try and live on 3% power in your spiritual life. Get plugged into the Spirit because the Spirit will bring you power. So first thing to say, presence. Second thing to say, power. And then the third thing to say is purpose. Purpose. When we are baptized in the Spirit, we are invested with purpose. And, And guess what? We get a whole bunch of gifts that go with that purpose in order for that purpose to be carried out. Uh, you'll notice in that passage that I read from Acts was that those guys were sitting together and there was a, a kind of noise, like a violent wind from heaven. And they were given gifts, gifts of speaking in tongues. And the purpose behind that gift, those gifts being given was that there were loads and loads of nationalities in Jerusalem for, that, for the Feast of Pentecost that the Jews celebrated every year. And they'd come from all around the world, and they were then able to hear God being praised in their own language. And so those tongues had a purpose... They had a purpose of drawing attention to the activity of God in a particular way. And that's what God does when he fills you with his spirit. When you're baptized in the spirit, you have purpose invested into you in order that you can then go and do the things that God is asking you to do. So, and he also, alongside the gifts, he gives you boldness to do it as well. Uh, And so there are things that are given to us when we're baptized in the spirit that allow us and enable us to do ministry, to do things that God is asking us to do. Um, there's a guy called Richard Gamble and uh, he is the pioneer of something called the Eternal Wall of Answered Prayer and he's building this incredible structure in the Midlands to, as a testimony to he's hoping to gather a million answered prayers it's an incredible project but that's not the reason I've mentioned him the reason I've mentioned him was that he was somebody who, who kind of went through an experience a bit like this being filled up with God's spirit and God asked him to kind of go around his county carrying a cross through like lots of local market towns Like, something that I'd find really hard, that would be a real challenge for me to do that. I'd find that, you know, that would be kind of pretty in-your-face kind of experience. But God said, no, go do this. And he had loads of conversations with people about Jesus, and some people got saved. And I just kind of think, wow, so you got filled with the Spirit, you got a boldness and a purpose to go and fulfill, and now you've gone and done that, and some people have got saved. That's how it works. So baptism in the Spirit um, gives us a, a sense of God's presence. He injects us with a load and load of heavenly power, but it's also with purpose. We've got things to go and do. Now, I'm going to ask the the worship team to come up and join me. They're just going to come and start playing, and I'm going to ask you to just stand to your feet a minute, BCC. We're going to to pray that the Spirit fills you up this morning. We're going to do that uh, just right now, really. Um, Come on up, Kevin. Come on up, team. It's the presence of God, it's the power of God, and it's the purpose of God. And that that's the, that's the, the engine, if you like, behind spirit baptism. So here's, here's what we're going to do. And, and I want you to feel that you can interact with this how you want to, to, to interact with it, okay? Um, there'll be a spectrum of responses to this in the room. Some of you will be a little bit concerned or a bit like, oh, where's this going? And that's fine. And I respect that. Some of you will be at the un- other end of the spectrum and you will be like Psalm 42:2, where it says, I thirst for the Lord. That the, You know, my soul thirsts for God. And you absolutely need infilling by the Spirit today. And anywhere in between that. And all of those, spe- all of those positions on that spectrum are totally fine. This is a, a place of freedom in this house. Okay? But if you would like to be filled with the Spirit... And you'd like to receive something from God in that way. In that experiential way, where he surrounds you and he fills you up. I'm just going to ask you to hold your hands out in front of you. Just as you feel led. It's not an obligation. Just as you want to. And just as our worship team begin to play, we are going to ask God's Spirit to come and fill you up. I'm going to pray over you. And we may do this two or three times because one of the things I've noticed is the Spirit can sometimes come in waves, a bit like waves coming into a shore. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you would come and presence yourself with your people. Come and be alongside your people, Lord. Fill this house up with your presence, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask you to notice each and every person in this room who's put their hands out. And I pray that you would fill them right now. Fill them up with your spirit, Lord God. We are a thirsty people this morning. Holy Spirit, just come now. Just come, Holy Spirit for some of you uh, Christians who are in the room that you've maybe been a Christian for a while you may know about spiritual gifts you may have a heavenly language and without shouting that out just maybe start to speak to God in your heavenly language that's completely appropriate just where you are in your chair if you've got a heavenly language then just speak that out to God right now. Holy Spirit, would you descend into this place and rest on us? Rest on us heavy like a blanket. Would we know that your presence is here strongly with us, Holy Spirit? We are a thirsty people. I thirst for you, Lord God. I thirst for you on the inside of my heart. I want your presence here. Again, Holy Spirit, just come into this room right now. Just fill your people. Fill your people, Holy Spirit. Just take a moment to just tell God that you're sorry for anything that you've done wrong in this last week say sorry to him my sense is that the spirit is wanting to arrive but maybe we're not quite ready we've not maybe said a couple of things to God that we need to say just bring to mind anything that you kind of oh, I wish I hadn't thought or said or done that just leave it at the cross the cross is big enough for your sin there's somebody or some people you might need to forgive just let them go to God now even if you've let them go to God a hundred times before or you're just prompted right now about something new that you'd forgotten about where somebody offended you or sinned against you or hurt you, just release them to God right now Spirit, would you just step into this room right now? Just come, Holy Spirit.